Hey, it's Table Talk Radio. We do Ten Commandments in the news, and then Prunch, the, is this the most mystical song ever? you got to stay tuned. A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism. <laughs> and it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunched. So, uh, you guys put the mega crunch on the song. That would be awesome. <laughs> keep uh, preaching the word. Passive. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. Like having a daily case of the Mondays, this is Table Talk Radio. <laughs> wow. That is something. <laughs> daily case of the Mondays. Yeah, it's a, it's a Monday for us, but it's probably a Monday when you're listening to this. What, did, what, <laughs> what day does it actually, does our show come out? When do we send the show? I never pay attention to actually how this stuff works. Is it? We should make sure that it goes out on Mondays all the time. Because that's fitting for people's attitude and... Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I'm sure that can because be Because it would make sense with your joke. Because I actually think your joke is more than just a joke. I think your joke... I think there's something to it. There's something profound about that. Yeah, something very, <laughs> something very realistic about your joke. You might be looking into the. I mean, that assumes that there's consistency in the production side of Table Talk Radio. Okay, so we don't know when the show goes out. That's what you're telling me. It just kind of goes out whenever. Well, so I I post it, and then we have a production team that gets to it on on their schedule. So I. It's not a necessarily a consistent day. Mm. So, so our our team is working gotcha. hard at, uh, at at getting these things out. But if you're uh, listening through one of the uh, radio stations, Pirate Christian Radio, KRC, uh, that's it. <laughs> you could catch it. Multiple affiliates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, our, our radio network, the Table Talk Radio Network. Then uh, you could catch it on one of those days, Tuesdays or Thursdays. So, speaking of a radio network, the Cross Defense Radio yes. Network. Yeah, man, world famous. Man, and then uh, and then we should talk about your YouTube. You, there's the the YouTube. You, you're trying to plug my. I was thinking to myself, I'm not even going to plug anything. <laughs> but now you never mind. Don't look into it. I, if you now listen, this is it. If you want to listen to cross defense, that means if you want to listen to me flailing around on the radio without Evan's help, I mean, well, that's a disaster. Well, I don't. That know. is a disaster. <laughs> so that's what it is. So if that's what cross defense is, it's like, it's like it's like table talk radio without any of the fun, <laughs> without any of the the playful banter. The back and forth, the, the magical back and forth between Evan and I. Just I mean, take like, like I, I, take Table Talk Radio, take all the good stuff out. <laughs> Imagine issues, etc., with no content. 
I'm, I, I didn't anyway, think you, if people want to listen, that's cross defense. I didn't that's, think the like humor was the redeeming factor of this show, but if you say so. Well, okay. It I helps mean, the medicine go down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. All right, let's dive in. So what's your buzzword, Pastor Wolfmuller? My, my, uh, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked what my buzzword is, because my buzzword for you is transubstantiation. Huh? I somehow guessed that. <laughs> How do you know? Transubstantiation has 18 letters. <laughs> Which is a lot. That's, that's a lot of letters. It's always important when, Tra- when defining a word, is the- knowing how many letters there are. <laughs> Well, look it. I mean, I was going to write it on a note card. But you couldn't. And uh, I ran out of room the first time. I was like, transubstantiation. I'm I tired. I need a note card. <laughs> That's your, my hand. We got a hand cramp. Anyhow, transubstantiation is the way that the Catholic, Roman Catholic Church talks about their doctrine of the supper. And it, it has to do with this Aristotelian metaphysics. Uh, Aristotle taught us that there's a difference between the essence and the accidents of a thing, which is actually helpful to know. The essence of a thing is uh, the thinginess of the thing, and then the accidents are the way you would describe it. And so I learned with a fox. Uh, I remember learning it like this: you have a, you say, "Hey, describe a fox to me." You say, "Well, you got a big bushy tail, you got a pointy nose, you got its red." And but if you painted a fox purple, you shaved its tail, you cut off its nose gently, then. Um, <laughs> You would still be a fox. You, you've taken away the accidents, but the essence is still there. So you have the dis- difference between the essence or substance and the accidents. And the Catholics say that that's what and the, what happens in the Lord's Supper is that the accidents remain the accidents of bread and wine, but the essence changes to the essence of the body and the blood of Jesus. So, so you have a fox, trans, a change. So the fox becomes a hippopotamus, but it just looks like a fox. That's right. Now... We, the, you know, the Lutherans, uh, they actually use this distinction between the essence and the accidents uh, in other places. But when it comes to the Lord's Supper, they say, well, look, we don't need it. We don't need Aristotle because we got Jesus who says it's my body. This is my body. And we say, OK. Well, the, Na- the, the Council of Nicaea sort of used that distinction, too. Not necessarily the distinction, but the, uh, the, uh, the word, the language. Of transubstantiation? Uh no, I mean, the accident substance. So that so that the oh oh, oh yeah right in right, the creed right. we would say that that Jesus is the same substance as the Father, and uh, in doing so excluded the uh, belief of the Arians who said that uh, Jesus would maybe have divine or godlike powers but not the same essence as God, and so uh, starting to employ some of those uh, philosophical understandings to understand the scriptures. Right. And it's again, it's not it's not bad. We don't, but but it's just not necessary when it comes to the Lord's Supper. We we say, look, we don't. We, we, in fact, the, the, our big beef with the Catholic is not the transubstantiation thing. It's the sacrifice. It's the sacrifice of the mass stuff. It's the whole business of where. Um, what's the benefit of the supper? Mm, right. Uh, my theological buzzword for you is uh, prolegomena. Uh, which literally means things which are spoken beforehand. And this, in theology, deals with um, the methodologies 
uh, that you it's actually a pretty good buzzword understand before the study of theology. So the 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 way that we would understand theology, the reasons for understanding theology, the the methods. So um, and this is I think for I don't know a lot about I haven't studied this, but um, but just as as we approach this, maybe as pastors, as um, as theologians, that we want to understand that that. The point of theology, the whole goal of theology, is to understand things about God, and that God reveals Himself to us in His Word. Now, the reason that's important to have as a starting point in talking about theology is if you have someone who's playing by different rules. That yeah, we want to understand about God, but uh, God uh, gives me information about Himself in fortune cookies, <laughs> or uh, through speaking unto my heart, or uh, that divine inspiration is given to us through church tradition and these kinds of things, well, then there's no possible way that you're going to be coming to an agreement on theology because you're having different sources of truth. So one aspect of prolegomena might be to determine that where we get our truth, where we understand um, our theology to come from, would be from the scriptures and the scriptures alone. Now, that's not all-encompassing of what prolegomena is. It's just an aspect of what uh, a discussion in prolegomena might be. How come you thought of that buzzword? That's a nice one. Because I typed in Google theological terms, and on the second page is a uh, website that says Quizlet, which was apparently a quiz preparation program for some class, and it even has... Here, I'll I'll play this for you. Prolegomena literally means things which are spoken... (laughs) See? That's 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 prolegomena. Like prolegomena. <laughs> this that lady, that pronouncing lady, doesn't know Greek. I think you got to say prolegomena. I prolegomena. was waiting for that. Any word that ends with lomena <laughs> needs to be spoken in that way. Prolegomena. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Uh, so I like that buzzword. I can't believe someone else talked about it. That's great. I'm going to use it. I'm going to. I am going to use it like fifty times. All right. Let's see if I can catch it. So here's an example of the use. Buzzwords is the prolegomena for Table Talk Radio. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, all right, so with just a minute remaining, we're going to be... <laughs> I can't believe how fast we waste time. We're like the best. <laughs> we're the, the best, best time wasters ever. Um, I was sure we only wasted like five minutes. It turns out to be 12. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. In the, in the minute we have left, why don't you... Tell us why we play a game called Ten Commandments in the News, and then we'll put it into practice. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. So, ten, so the world is ordered according to the Ten Commandments. We can't think of the Ten Commandments like pool rules, you know, like hey, don't drink, eat beef jerky, and swim. You got to wait half an hour or whatever, you know. The pool rules that, that we think of the Ten Commandments like that. No, the Ten Commandments are something much more profound than that. They go deep. They shape the way the world is. And so, one of the things that we like to do is. We want to we want to read the world, read the news, read the things that are happening in the world according to God's ordering of it in the Ten Commandments. So we we play the game called Ten Commandments in the News, in which we listen to a news story, talk about what commandments are at play, and then try to ferret out how to be helpful in the whole thing. So all right, so we'll fine. do that with a news story when we come back. If you want to chime in with any comments or questions, you can send us an email questions at tabletalkradio.org, or you can give us a call one eight hundred. 385 solo 1-800-385-7652 is the phone number if you have uh, church signs bumper stickers uh, praise songs 
uh, complaints, uh, corrections, <laughs> any of these would be acceptable um, submissions to our email. What would email. there possibly be to complain about with this show? Well, I can't even um, imagine. If you uh, have co-host suggestions, any of these things could be submitted to our email. Address. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. This is Table Talk Radio. You have been warned. So I've kicked up the Wolfmuller One YouTube channel, and I was talking to Daniel, my expert YouTube advisor, about it, who said, Dad, your stuff is really bad. I know, Daniel, I know. But look, I have 4,006 uh, for watch time. And to monetize on YouTube, you got to have 4,000 hours. And I, I look, I said, look, 4,006. And Daniel says, Dad, you have 4,006 minutes. Not ours. <laughs> anyway, if you want to see what we're up to over on YouTube, you can visit YouTube. Search for Wolfmuller. Wolfmuller One is the channel name. See you there. And we're back. You're on Table Talk Radio, where we are playing the game Ten Commandments in the News. All right, and, Pastor, you got a That's news a article game. for us to. Consider, in light of the Ten Commandments, I got to do a little prolegomena here. Aha! Here it is. It's called this. This is going to be so irrelevant by the time we post the show because things are moving so fast. Yeah. But this has to do with the Brett Kavanaugh appointment. Do we really quote believe women? How the Kavanaugh accusation will put the slogan to the test by Monica Hessa. Last year, shortly after the hashtag #MeToo spread. As a hashtag in a shorthand, a companion phrase also emerged, believe women. In other words, believe them when they tell stories of assault and harassment. Victims' lives are rarely made easier by levying accusations against powerful predators, which means that if a woman has come forward, she's probably doing so at personal cost. So believe her. At the very least, give her the dignity of considering her claims. Okay, so you guys have stopped there. Yes. So I, I uh, agree with... Uh, believing women, especially when they're coming forward. And I, by the way, don't necessarily think that it's a sign that, um, see, Dr. Ford, who this uh, whole accusa accusation came from, I don't think necessarily that it's a sign because she did not speak out right away that it didn't actually happen. Um, because if she was 16, 17 years old, uh, it's plausible to think that maybe a 17-year-old wouldn't approach authorities right away. I mean, obviously, we should be able to encourage and uh, support women who are victims of sexual assault to to speak out right away for the sake of justice because it uh, increases the likelihood of convicting uh, people who have, have uh, done sexual crimes. But it doesn't. it's not necessarily an indicator, uh, although hopefully within, you know, a certain amount of time before someone reaches some kind of a high office that it doesn't necessarily look like just a political ploy that you'd be able to do it. So, I mean, it could be, you know, sometime, significant time later, but to wait right before someone is elected might uh, make it more difficult for you. But, yes, I agree that we should believe women. But um, we also, in our country, have particular... Um, uh, burden of proof before assuming someone's uh, guilt so that in our justice system at least 
that we want to be able to be evidence and fact-based to say we're going to give people the benefit of the doubt, uh, assume their innocence until proven guilty. And so for that, we need certain um, like witnesses or uh, even a, co- a collaborating story, um, things like this. And uh, it's hard to then uh, convict someone's uh, uh, crimes without those important details. Right. Here, the story's going to continue. It's going to have some of the details. On, sen- on Sunday, California professor named Christine, uh, Christine Blaze Ford identified herself as a previously anonymous accuser claiming that Brett M. Kavanaugh assaulted her when they were in high school. At a party in the 1980s, a drunken Kavanaugh tried to pull off her bathing suit, pinning her down while holding his hand over her mouth. Ford said she remained traumatized enough about the event that she brought it up in therapy in 2012. Her therapist provided the Washington Post with documentation. Kavanaugh has categorically denied the accusation. Hmm. Um, right. Oh, now here, here's, here's something. Maybe push down a little further. It's easier to say you, quote, believe women when there are 60 of them. They're telling the same story about being drugged by Bill Cosby or assaulted by Harvey Weinstein. Can you say you believe women when there are only 10 accusers, only five? Can you say you believe women when there is only one accuser and her account is 35 years old and she says she doesn't remember certain details, like the address of the party or who else was there? Can you say you believe women when it's deeply inconvenient for you to do so, when your decision to believe her could hinder you from getting other things you want? Now, I think what's so interesting about this article is talking about, okay, so it's it's talking about believing someone so, so here you have a he said, she said, right? At least the way it is right now, you have the uh, Brett Kavanaugh saying, absolutely no way in the history of the universe did this thing happen. And then you have uh, the professor saying, no, that in fact this thing did happen. And now it becomes a question, a question of what who you believe. But what? Why is it not the? Why is not the question what happened? In other words, the, mm. you, you see how the, the mm-hmm. how how this art what the article is saying is the important thing is that you believe what the what the women who right. are accusing the men are saying, and that, and that's a fantastically big can of worms to open up. So it's not a to, matter to of simply say, of, "Am I going to take the the woman's word for it, or am I going to take the man's word for it?" But actually, ask the question: What happened? Which isn't a matter of right. leaving anyone's story, but to actually getting to the bottom of it. Right, that's right. It's not a matter of what of who you believe. It's a matter of what happened. Now, now the credibility of a witness it always plays into this thing. But the but the thing that we have to be concerned because it, I mean, there's a lot of scenarios where where in fact both of these guys, uh, Kavanaugh and the thing, could be could be absolutely 100 percent expressing the truth of what they remember. Mm-hmm. In other words, that Kavanaugh has no memory of this incident, or that the woman has the perfect memory of this incident, um, or or even that there's some sort of you know misplay, like maybe it was some other guy, and there and that two things got mixed up, like Kavanaugh was there and it was some other guy. In other words, it doesn't have to be like a malicious lie. It's just that our memories get all out of whack. I mean, I I, I tell stories of the things that happened. 10 years ago and and carrie's always correcting me no no that's or my dad who remembers everything he's you remember when we went there and saw that no no in fact i remember i remember very distinctly having this phone conversation with carrie and i was on the mediterranean sea in haifa and um 
and I and she said, "No, no, you were on the Sea of Galilee." No, no, and I remember very. I I would I would have even testified to it that I was on the Mediterranean Sea, but sure enough, we went back to Israel and we found the phone, and it was in it was uh, in Caesarea. It's kind of like the time you she told right. you told the story about when you were at the Wendy's at the uh, healthy vending machine. And the woman came up to you and asked you about what's the difference between Baptists and Lutherans. It's kind of like that, well, even right? Even that, I was telling that story the other day for the famous, for the world famous YouTubes, and I and I said I didn't have my collar on. I don't know why she asked me. And Carrie said you did have your collar on. She remembers it. And, and, but Carrie wasn't even there, at least in my memory of the thing. In other words, so what what I'm suggesting is that our there. memories are weak tools. Yes. Um, our memories are weak tools, but. Uh, 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 so, so that it doesn't, there doesn't have to be malice even involved to, to, for this sort of thing to be. But, the, but the thing that matters is what happened. That, that is the. It's like, for some weird reason, what actually happened doesn't seem to matter. What matters is, like, the strength of the accusation. You hear this all all the time. Like the the seriousness of the charges is why we give the thing credence rather than the. Than the than the, the the facts of the case, right? So we should you, you see what I'm we, saying. We should take it the other way, and here you have a man who is uh, um, uh, claiming his innocence, and um, and and if then he is right, then we have someone who is just bringing a bad reputation upon someone for political gain, and why should we not believe that person? So, in other words, why why is one person's story? to be more believed than another person's story if all we're going to uh, base this on is the believable, wh- who is believable. Right. That's that's but, right. Uh, but I suppose so what... the, the, the safer option of those two is to believe the victim than the accused um, perpetrator. Well, you do, because it gets so, because you do have motive, you do have what the thing this article mentions is risk. There's a risk for someone coming out. Who So who has more to gain who has more to lose from lying? So, you, so, mm-hmm. so there's that, there's that question. But I don't know how that washes out in this situation. Mm. And, um, and this, so the biblical picture is that you want to have two or three witnesses because th- there's a way that if if an accusation can go unchecked, then you th- that if you can if you can take something from someone by just bringing a serious accusation. Then that is the end of all semblance of right and wrong. I mean, if someone just wants to come and accuse me of doing something wrong or accuse you of doing something wrong, it doesn't matter if we did it or not. But the accusation, if the accusation is mo- is horrible enough, like someone would ac- come and accuse me of doing something absolutely terrible, like say he's been hosting Table Talk Radio for eight <laughs> years now, and they'd have no proof or whatever. In, in other words, some, so there's some terrible accusation that's brought to someone, and just the accusation itself, the horror of the accusation is all you need, then now there's no sense of, of justice and right and wrong, mm-hmm. you see? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's gone. It just And then it just happens that to the next guy who is being nominated to, to a place that you don't like, now that you, you just do the same thing. You just bring the false accusation, and then... And then you can destroy. The, you, you can just t- t- take anybody you want out of whatever you want to, just by the fact of the accusation. Right, right. And that's why our criminal justice system, at least, is built upon the premise that um, we have to be able to convince a jury that beyond reasonable doubt. Which means, you know, when you come back with um, 
a, a verdict in a criminal case, you don't judge someone to be guilty or innocent. You judge them to be guilty or not guilty. Um, so that it's the, the jury is saying that there's a possibility that the person might have done it, but the but the level of proof necessary to to put someone away has not been met. And so, uh, in our justice system, at least, we would rather have uh, a, a few people who are guilty get away with it than to accidentally imprison people who are innocent. And that's the way, the way our justice system is built up, at least. Now, you know what I like about this whole big mess? Wait. You hear that? Is that the music? That's the music. Oh, man. We've got to do Ten Commandments, too. But I've got to talk about what, what I like about this Me Too movement. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Ooh, what a teaser. Now i got to listen through the break mm. to find out what you like about this. Oh, oh my goodness. Sorry. All right. Stick through Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Better be good. I gotta think of something quick. <laughs> Stop. For those times when you just want to be alone, this is Staple Talk Radio. The daily Bible meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. All right, we're back. I can't hold my breath any longer. Please tell me. <laughs> What's your take on this on this story? Here's the thing I like about the Me Too movement. For, I don't know, 50 years, 40 years, everybody's looked at the Christian says, you guys are a bunch of prudes. You are sexually repressive. You and your, you know, don't have sex till you get married prudishness. You got to... You, you you gotta get it it was it's under I mean the devil's been arguing that the Christian sexual ethic is immoral. It's that it's it's repressive, that it that it's I don't know, that it's wrong. And now everyone's like, well, maybe we could be a little more prudish. I mean maybe maybe there are some limits on this sort of wild sexuality that we're all trying to embrace and we're like, Well, yeah, we've been telling you guys that for two thousand years. I know remember not so long ago when it, when somehow um, it came out that uh, Mike Pence doesn't go to dinner with a woman who's not his wife, and and everybody. I mean, the the media just was lamb blasting him because oh, what a prude, and uh, you know, and all of this stuff. And then it's like, well, wait a minute, which which is it? Is it should we that we should have some uh, accountability for our actions and our whereabouts, uh, or that we should just do what feels right? And this is the result. But you can't have it both ways. You can't have your cake and eat yeah. it too. You can't have it both ways. And that's what the that's the the sticky part that our culture's in now. They they want there's this way that they want it both ways. But you just can't have it both ways. Well, I think you, you can. Gotta, you can have it both ways. And this is how as long as you don't want to run for any kind of a public office or serve your fellow citizen or have anyone who would want anything against you then you'll be fine. Just do what feels good and whatever. But the moment you say, you know, I, I'm being considered to serve my country in this way, look out because someone is going to have an accusation against you. Yeah, that's it. And this is the, I don't know, who did I see? This guy, Doug Wilson, who, man, you get in trouble if you like that guy, but <laughs> kind of like that guy. And he said, he said that the best, he, his, his tactic on this whole thing was to use Jesus's 
uh, tactic where when the woman was caught in adultery and brought to Jesus and he sat down and he wrote, started writing in the ground and said, whoever's without sin, let him throw the first stone. And the way you could enact that would be something like this. You say, OK, look, uh, Kavanaugh, he's going to resign because of this accusation only if all of the senators calling for his resignation will sign something that says if any accusation like this is brought against them, they will also immediately without question resign. <laughs> Sure. Boom. Sure, sure. All right, let's go to the Ten Commandments. I think the big one here is number eight. Um, you shall. Yeah, you're right, because you would think that it would be number six, right? You shall not commit adultery, which this is, this is what obviously it has to do with. Um, the, and, and, the, and, the, and the story of the sexual assault is, is horrible, and we should not lessen that. I mean, we should say w- without question 100% do, that that men and women ought to honor one another, and especially men who generally are stronger and can um, cause the women to be victimized much easier. We have to be very, very careful that we don't get anywhere near anything like this kind of impropriety. And also to note that it was, if the accusation of what happened was true, and it seems like the, accusa- the, the stories about how it was at that school, that there was constant drunkenness and so forth and so on, that that also is a problem. Christians mm-hmm. ought to be sober and chaste. Mm-hmm. No, no question. Sober and chaste. And we pursue sobriety. We pursue chastity, so that we are we are miles away from any sort of accusation like this. I and mean, remember, but but even that won't stop it. Remember Joseph in the Old Testament, who mm-hmm. Potiphar's wife kind of had her eye on him. So at last she grabbed a hold of him, lay with me, and he runs out and she grabs a hold of his cloak and then goes and makes the accusation that he tried to that he tried to rape her and he's thrown in prison again. Unbelievable. So that we have to you know, being aware of things like that, we have to pursue chastity in every way so that we are absolutely without question above reproach. And then but then to know that we have to support the the justice system in such a way that Someone can be innocent, and that's what you're talking about here, the Eighth Commandment, how this is tried both in the court of public opinion and also in the actual courts. Right, yeah, so it has, uh, I think, a a few different perspectives on it. So as you said, um, that that, that we have a process in our land, and and every government does, to prosecute those people who are um, breaking the law, and so to follow those... Um, those procedures is what the Lord has given us for dealing with criminals. Um, so rather than, I'm not, and I don't want to su- uh, suggest, uh, well, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to make any assumptions about the case at hand. But all I'm saying is that uh, the way to deal with transgressors of the law is to report it to the police, not to. Um, leak it to the media before a major life event of this person. Um, so, so that's what the court system is for, and that is Eighth Commandment. Uh, and in those cases in which someone may be bringing a false accusation, this is precisely uh, what the Lord is protecting us in the Eighth Commandment, and that is a good reputation. Um, one of those things, one of those gifts that we take for granted probably more than any other is the uh, gift of a good reputation. Because once you lose your good reputation, it is very difficult to overcome uh, that that challenge. And so the Lord knew this, and so to protect our reputation, he gave the Eighth Commandment to that end. And so this is, you know, we, we always 
uh, throw out the eighth commandment that we would put the best construction on everything. And this is um, uh, again to 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 lean in the favor of when not all the facts are known to lean in the favor of someone's good reputation um, because a a ruined reputation is difficult, if not impossible to recover from. That's right. All right. So uh, other commandments. So this is not only the eighth commandment. You brought up the sixth commandment. commandment. Eighth commandment has to do with truth. That's always third commandment stuff. Um. But the third commandment is more like theological truth. Uh, the good name of our neighbor. There's politics, so that's to do with the fourth commandment. Remember, the fourth mm-hmm. commandment sets in order family as well as the state. So this has definitely has to do with the state. You know, it also has to do with the eighth commandment because this is the appointment of a judge. How about right, that? Right. Yep. It's amazing. All right. Very yeah, that's good. That's what I got. There, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a ninth and tenth commandment uh, here too, a covetousness. Mm-hmm. That has to do with um, the, the kind of political motivations that are hanging around. That's um, that's interesting to, also to me. I would also say um, the uh, ninth and tenth commandments um, in the, the accusation is is a uh, um, sexual in nature. So that that if a person then covets a relationship, a, a sexual relationship with someone who they are not married to, then uh, then they're uh, pursuing some of the the Lord has not given them for that purpose, um, so maybe right. a, uh, which is that tenth commandment then? Yeah, I should not cover your neighbor's wife. Right. Yep. All right. So yep. now we're going to dive right. into some. Uh, what's this game called? Praise Song Cruncher. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. About I remember this? now. So I got this email. Yeah. It says. The, the, so this whole thing about the Ten Commandments is like prolegomena to now the Praise Song Cruncher. <laughs> I'll give Can I just use that? I'll for, give you 436.92 points for that. Dang. All right, so this email is entitled, The Most Mystical Song Ever. It says, greetings, lords of meteorocity. Well, I don't know. About wow. Uh, lowercase l. This is Zach. Yes, a secular sense. One of your wells, and that is Lutheran in parentheses, listeners, as I was looking through my mystical library, musical library from the dark years, I came across what, in my opinion, <laughs> must be claimed. I, love, I mean, I love that phrase, the dark years. That's a. That's the, this is, it's like when you were evangelical or whatever. Before the pre Lutheran, that was the dark years. Before, yeah. before the light came on, before the light of law and gospel dawned. That's great. <laughs> I got to re- try to remember. Can we remember that? The dark years? We need to make the that part years. of our yeah, yeah, yeah. language here. Anyway, he comes across what, in his opinion, um, is the most mystical praise song. The song is called God's Great Dance Floor by Chris Tomlin. If you Uh-oh. could put the mega crunch on the song, that would be awesome. God's Mega crunch on the song. God's blessing on your ministries. And then he signs it in something that looks Australian or perhaps Greek. I'm not really sure. All right. So let's listen to this song called God's Great Dance Floor by Chris Tomlin. Thank you. 
that's going to be all the time we have before we need to take this next break. So we'll uh, we'll take the break and then we'll try at a crunch of this song by Chris Tomlin uh, right after this. If you want to download the praise song cruncher, you can go to tabletalkradio.org and click on the articles tab and and print it out and give it to all your friends, give it to your pastor, give it to your worship leader. And, uh, well, maybe not to the worship leader. They might use yeah, that. Oh, that'd be helpful. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. Oh, man. Table Talk Radio, where the voice crying in the wilderness is the listener. I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast. It's the praise song cruncher to the song God's Great Dance Floor by Chris Tomlin. And Pastor Wolfman really likes this song. That's what he said. My new favorite. I don't understand why they didn't like it. Oh, wait. Maybe I should talk at the microphone. <laughs> it's one of my new favorites. I don't know why they said they didn't like it. Well, you said this was... We've been doing this, this was... I'm a... like over there at my desk. He's <laughs> <laughs> like getting coffee. Talking to himself. Setting up a grappling with the text. Um, but anyway, you, you were saying that this was a perfect song for several reasons. <laughs> Where did it go? Oh, yes. This is the thing that I... Um, th- this idea of going back to the start. I'm coming back to the start, dude. That's a different song, isn't it? Yeah. But that's how the lyrics go. And and here's why. Here's, here's why. Here's what Chris, our friend Chris Tomlin is talking about. There is in the evangelical world a great, because the emphasis is there on the decision and that moment when you surrender and that that life-changing, authentic, being swept up, being touched by God, feeling the presence of God, that whole thing, that all that happens when a person is converted, that is so foundational and fundamental to the way that the evangelical looks at their own life and looks at their own uh whatever theology and looks at their 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 everything that's that that's so important that um that it oftentimes will happen that as you go about being a christian and you get into the humdrum and the normal daily stuff it gets it just gets disappointing like what this isn't this this isn't the same i don't feel the same i'm not i'm not moved in the same way i'm not i'm I'm not t- touched in the same way. It's just different for me now than it was at the beginning. So so what's going on? So now we got to go back to the start. See, that's that whole move, that back to the start move, that now I can go and be really, really Christian hmm. because I was really, really Christian. I was most Christian right there at the beginning when I was, um, when I first dedicated my life to Christ. You see? Mm-hmm. I mean, I was thinking about this earlier when we were talking off air about the uh, International House of Prayer, and you just have like this 24-hour worship service. And I was thinking, I don't know what kind of like staffing schedule they have for putting on the, the constant worship, but I mean, presumably the people who are putting that on um, maybe go every day or every few days to provide that worship. And you would think at some point that drug quits working. Like, like, uh, uh, 
it just becomes so constant that you can't get an emotional height anymore. Um, I mean, I would think day in, day out, it's not working. Uh, right. But, I, I mean, so, but that, that's what this song is about. So, so when that happens, when the, when the praise song drug doesn't work anymore, you write a song about going back to your first hit. <laughs> right. That's right. Remember how it was at the beginning. Uh, we we got to go back there. That's ex- so. That's what this song is about. Back to the start. Okay. Back to when it was when we were super high on on the gospel. So when, remember how it was in the beginning. We got to go back to how it was then. That's the. Do you see it? Do you see the move that's yep. being made there? Sure. Sure. Amazing. All right. So let's go through the praise song questions. Number one is oh, Jesus yeah, I was mentioned. How this goes. That's why um, I'm here. I got to do something around here. Okay. Uh, you'll never stop. No, I don't think Jesus is mentioned. I'm alive on God's great dance floor. No, Jesus. Okay. What about number two, mystical form? This is uh, yeah, sub- I mean, sentences, all that kind of thing. Repetition. What do you think about this part? I feel alive. I come alive. I am alive I on God's great dance floor. I feel alive. I come alive. I am alive on God's great dance floor. I feel alive. I come alive. I am alive on God's great dance floor. I feel alive. I come alive. I am alive on God's great dance floor. So I think we're hitting the repetition I feel repetition alive. I come alive. Criteria. I am alive on God's great dance floor. God's great dance floor. That's what the lyrics are. It's, I mean, yes, repetition. It was Chris Tomlin who put us onto all these rules, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was that song? How great is our God? I think was is that it? How great? Yep. Yeah, I think that's it. That was the one. So now you have not only the greatness of God, but the greatness of God on a dance floor. <laughs> on a dance floor. What is the heck with the with this thing about the dance? Floor? I was wondering about that. I wondered if it's trying to draw on the romance metaphor, where you're maybe having a dance with your significant other, which might be say like a first meeting or perhaps even a wedding dance, and so you're going back to that time in which you had this great connection. But it's not necessarily a uh, heartstrings tempo kind of a song. This is more of a uh, get the people jazz, start out and worship kind of a song. So I don't know. What, yeah, that's right. Do you, I don't know do either. Think the dance it is a is... bit of a confusing uh, um, because it is more, you're right, the song is more like the dance floor is like techno. <laughs> <laughs> Not like the first dance at the at the uh you know when you're getting married or something. Right. Yeah. So okay, what about mystical content? Yeah, I mean it all has to do with this feeling. Uh let's see. I'm coming back to the start. I got this freedom here. In here we f- how about this? In here we feel your heart. I'm coming back to the start where you found me. I'm coming back to your heart. Now I surrender. Take me. This is all I can bring. In other words, I'm rededicating my life, etc. How it was in the beginning is now and will be forever. And then uh, in here we feel your heart. I mean, I, I think this is interesting because you have the line, um, this is all that I can bring. This is all that I can bring. Yeah. And... That seems to suggest, if I'm understanding it correctly, that it that this is all that I have, but it, it it itself isn't quite enough. Which makes you wonder then why is this such a necessity? Um in other words, um if I realize that the thing that I can bring is insufficient, then why is it so important that I bring the thing? Like does does God not demand perfection? So mm-hmm. uh here's 
here's my sinful heart, O Lord, O Lord. I hope you like it. Well, the Lord doesn't want a sinful heart. He wants perfection. And so that's why right. he sends his son, Jesus, <laughs> who is perfect, to die on your behalf and cover over your sinful heart. Right. That's right. No, 100% right. So, so, but, but you, I mean, you see the decisionism here. You see the, you see the theology of the revival here because, because that, this, it's like, I want to go back to my, uh, do you see, I, I want to go back to that moment when I gave my life to Christ. And, and that's, and it's like, in some ways, it's like, um, what, how would you say? It's like a song. It's it's like an altar call for the people who are worn out from all the altar calls they've had. Right. You know? Right, right. So now I I've been I've given my life how I don't know how many times I keep giving my life to Jesus, but it all every time it kind of comes up short or whatever, but I'm going to still I'm still doing it. I'm still going to go for it. I'm I'm still going to give my life to Jesus one more time. And maybe that's my point. Maybe uh, maybe I'm saying is that at some point you have to realize that this whole return to this uh, what word did he use? Uh, coming back to the start, or uh, yeah, coming back to your heart. There's another song that's similar to this. Um, coming back to the heart of worship. I mean, um, at some point you have to realize that that isn't lasting. That I could I could return to the heart of worship a hundred times, and there still need to be a hundred and first time. And if I did it a thousand times, there would need to be a thousand and first time. And so maybe this is not working. <laughs> maybe this is not what it is about. That maybe there is something different, like instead of us doing for God, it is God doing for us. And then there you don't have to have this repeat action constantly because God does all things well, including redeeming you and bringing you the gift of faith and forgiving your sins. He does it well, and it doesn't have to be redone over and over. Yep. Yep. Now you're starting to sound like a Lutheran. <laughs> Sorry, Finally. It's going to go on rampages like you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's ama- isn't it amazing? It's like, hey, uh, we got a problem here. We've lost that love and feeling. You know, this is even we've lost that love and feeling. So what are you going to do? You're going to go maybe go I mean, get it's never a thought of <laughs> maybe it wasn't the problem. The love and feeling was the problem from the beginning. I mean, that's never the thought. It's always we got to go back and recover it. You got to get hyped up. You got to go get hyped up. You got to get a stronger drug like you to, to use the illustration that you used earlier. You got to uh, and this song is going to be it. Just yesterday at church, I was talking to someone about some fertilizer for my grass, and I told them that I used this one product, and and it killed some of my grass, and I used this other product, and it killed some of my grass. And he said, maybe the problem is you. <laughs> what? <laughs> that that's a great <laughs> that's a great thing to realize. You know, all of these products are killing my grass. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you're the problem, uh, and maybe, maybe that's that's what the praise song uh, participant or the praise and worship participant needs to realize that maybe the problem isn't with the song. Uh, maybe the problem is you that you're a sinner, and so that God has something outside of the sinner that is the answer, not something within the sinner that is the answer. Yes, that's right. All right, that's I think an this amazing one, thing to suggest. 
this thing is crunch, and I think that might qualify as a mega crunch, but I'm I'm not really sure about that. I don't know. I I can't remember the official distinction between a crunch and a mega crunch. <laughs> I don't either. That'll, I didn't get much. That'll be in the hearts of our listeners. They'll have to let us know about yep. that. So, all right, that's going to be all the time we have. Right. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio, where the points are like the prolegomena to the Nicene Creed. <laughs> There's no prologue. Thanks you get for it? listening no to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Yes. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Yeah. Please consult your pastor before listening Funny to Table joke. Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, Maybe not psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain Not your tumors, best. I think you should return to the heart of humor. A sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.